Awesome. Good morning. I'm sorry. Good morning. Yeah. Ah, there we are. There you go. There you are. What a um, what a real privilege it is to be here this morning. I'm not going to speak to very long at all because we really wanted to make this a morning of worship. And after hearing what God is doing, I'm so pumped about what the Holy Spirit is doing here. Can somebody give God a bit of an amen? Because <clears throat> it's just really, really exciting um, just to hear that the Holy Spirit has, has kind of set you guys up with rain that's coming in, and, you know, land and building. and well, That's really exciting. Back in 97, was it? 1997, that he gave you a word like that. Um, that's, that's really cool because... Um, before we get back into worship, and I really want to push you guys into worship more, more into worship. Um, not for worship's sake, actually for what it, what it does in you and what it does for the rain coming down. Uh, it's, not, it's not like a rain dance, but you could almost think of it like that. <laughs> you, know? you know, the more you worship, the more the rain falls. And the manifest presence of God is what we need. We, uh, your amazing pastor just, just then said, man, fire. The fire of God. Rob gave me this key ring this morning, put a hand in my put a put a key ring in my hand, which says, It's not my might, it's nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I really feel like this morning God wants to say to you guys, it's by his spirit and for you to pursue his spirit. Pursue his spirit. Um, it's an amazing thing. I started off with the thought, God has always kept a remnant. Throughout the generations, throughout, the, throughout history, wherever his people have been, if they've been like persecuted or dwindled away or have been ravaged by battle or by war or by pestilence or by the enemy, he's always kept a remnant. And that remnant has remained faithful to him. And I feel like there's a faithful remnant right here. I'm not doing that just to kind of butter you up. I actually feel like God's putting a remnant aside. And it's not actually just, you know, just for Rolleston, just for Cornerstone Church. It's actually all of those that would seek his presence and realize and acknowledge. Actually, it's not about my power. It's not about our strategy. It's not about our, you know, programs or even our church name or anything like that. It's actually about the Spirit of God. And it takes an amazing kind of humility for us to realize I can't do this in my own strength. Even the street, like you have an, am- an amazing community here. It feels like amazing. But even that is not strong enough to accomplish God's purposes. It can be a great witness to others. It can attract people in, but it cannot transform lives. Only the Spirit of God can do that. So I feel a real sense, a real prophetic sense to say, let's pursue God. Let's pursue His presence. Let's pursue His Spirit. So I know it's, kind of, I know it's a little bit weird, and I don't, don't normally do this. This is not like a... Um, a, a sermon that I've had kind of written before. This is something real specific today. I really felt like I was to talk to you about this little community called the Moravians. The Moravians. Anybody heard of the Mor- Moravians? Yeah, okay. So some of you have read some history, and which is really awesome. Um, the Mor- Mor- Moravians are a weird little bunch of people that was like around in the 17th century. It's more, it's more actually called the Moravian Church. Um, around Czechoslovakia, like... Czech and Slovakia, in between there was this little country called Moravia. Around those times, um, there was just humongous battles all the time, and the biggest fight was between the Catholic Church and the, kind of, the new evolving Protestant Church. There was a Protestant Reformation, we all know that with Martin Luther around you know, 1700, and then, um, and then the Catholic Church kind of fought back. It was like an anti-Reformation 
you know, counter-reformation, they called it. So it was, you know, literally worship wars. We were joking about that yesterday. Worship wars, which is really stupid when you're considering whose name it is that we're representing. And I, and I feel really sad when I see, like, on social media and stuff, people fighting about which styles of worship. And you see churches fighting one another about it. And all the time the world is looking on going, hey, why would I want to join that church? Hey, why would I want to worship that God if, if all his followers just fight amongst each other? That's why unity is a real big, a real big problem. I mean, a real big, <clears throat> a real big issue for us. So um, these guys, uh, in amongst all the fighting and all the battles that were going on, and they were a war-torn country for centuries. That's everybody's fighting over that portion of you know, Europe. Um, at some stage, there were like lots and lots of people, Moravian people, who were thrown into prison and persecuted and whatnot. And then the Holy Spirit started doing this incredible thing. They were seeing people freed all the time. They would just walk out of like jail cells. Um, they would, they would, uh, locks, like shackles would fall off. These are all Christians that were in jail being persecuted for their faith. That was counter, you know, Catholic. And these guys would just be walking out of jail cells. They'd be walking past, like one guy walked through two guards who just didn't, didn't look back. He just kind of walked them and, Okay, <laughs> you know? and then one guy was hiding in a bush, hiding in a ditch, and they were looking for him, and he said, I was barely covered. He was in a ditch with like a, sh- a leaf over him, you know, or something, and, and they, he, they said they got one foot away, and they were saying, I know, I know he's around here somewhere, and they look, they're right there, and he, he was like, <laughs> and then the Holy Spirit just freed lots and lots of them. All of them then went kind of looking for a place to land. And the Holy Spirit led them to this place, the lands of a guy named Count Zinzendorf. Count Zinzendorf. Nikolaus, Nikolaus Zinzendorf. So, and this guy, I mean, he was German, well, Austrian, actually, but, you know, living in Germany, around the Saxony area, if that interests you at all, um, <clears throat> which is kind of north of, you know, Moravia. Um, and they landed on his lands. Now, this guy happened to be a real spirit-filled dude as well. He was, he was count, so he was super rich, and a um, rich dude, but he was really moved. He was inspired to become, you know, real strong in his faith by a painting that he saw of the crucified Jesus. When he saw it, there was a little line down it saying, this I have done for you, what will you do for me? By the artist. It wasn't Jesus saying it, it was the artist. It was the artist, you know, vibe. Uh, and that really inspired this guy to go, well, I've got to make a difference. I've got to make a difference with the resource and, the, and the, everything that I have. I've got to go and do something for Jesus. I can't just live my life by my own. All his mates, of course, were all just living the high life as you did when you were nobility. And, um, and so he, he was like set aside. There was another guy named um, David Christian. <laughs> I don't know. Convenient name, right? David Christian. And he, he was known as the bush preacher around those parts. He was really radical. And so David Christian helped all these, all these Moravian refugees onto the lands of this Count Zinzendorf who took them in and said, yeah, we've got to do something here. We've got to take all these people in. And so he only had one rule, and that was everybody should come here and go to church. Awesome, eh? Everybody that's, you are, you are welcome on here. And they were like, they were good people. They were all saying, hey, we don't want to be a burden to you. We really appreciate you taking us in like this. And so they built homes. David Christian pulled all these guys in. Zinzendorf welcomed them in, allowed them to build homes and build a settlement. So it was a settlement for Moravian refugees. 
By the time they'd kind of got an, enough people in, all these people, there was about 300 in total. 300 people. It looked really awesome at first. And then a guy named Kruger came along. Had to be a guy named Kruger, right? Sounds like an evil name. <laughs> no, it's not. If your name is Kruger, I apologize. <clears throat> it's not. It's just, but this is what the enemy does. As soon as there's something that looks like a seed of God and something that looks like it's growing and it's, it's, it was growing on the, uh, on, the, on the vision, on the faith, on the love of these guys, David, Christian, and Zinzendorf, and then the people themselves who were coming from all areas, but they were saved by the Holy Spirit to come and join the settlement. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful story. But as soon as something starts growing, and you can see the similarities here, I'm looking at it, you thinking, man, you guys have come from all over, You've, there's this new seed, this new beautiful new thing that's growing, and there's a unity, and there's a community that's growing, and that's exactly what I saw in this place, the unity and the community, it's what they were known for, until this guy came in and brought um, what the devil wants to bring to anything like that, disunity. He started factionizing people. You're from there and you're from there and they started like fighting one another and now he's like, he does that thing that I don't know if you know, a lot of people, that if you've been around other churches, you've, you've just seen it. It's a real classic story of the devil that comes in and tries to uh, undermine the leader and tries to undermine different people and tries to gather people into little circles and little cliques. I believe this and they believe that. They're wrong and I'm right. And all that stuff sort of started to happen. In this beautiful little community that they were proud of, all of a sudden it was completely, in two years, had been real torn apart by disunity. And that's when Zinzendorf, Zinzendorf who hadn't, didn't actually have much to, much to do with them, he kind of wrote, he wrote to them most of the time, so a lot of them hadn't seen his face. He got involved finally and, and personally came down and then spoke to them and said, if you are going to stay here, we need to be united and we need to come together and have communion and prayer. Communion and prayer. When they got together, this is after you know, two years of massive disunity, Kruger got kicked out. He, in, in the end, actually, actually ended up um, going insane. I mean, when you give your life to the devil. Oh, yeah, it got serious real fast. Eh? <laughs> real, real dark. Okay, let's just lift it up. Everybody smile for a second. <clears throat> he... Zinzendorf came down and said, if you are going to be here, I want everybody to gather. And we're going to gather on, the, on, the, on August 13th, I think it was. August 13th, 1727. They said, we're going to get together and we're going to put an end to this. We're going to have communion and then we're going to start to pray. From that day, they had communion and the Holy Spirit poured out on that place like it hasn't been seen before. From that moment, when, when they just decided, no, we are now going to fight the disunity. You know what the Moravian church is called today? Unitis Fratrum, which means united brothers, basically. Brothers in unity. They named it like that. They said, no, we're going we're to come against that, that opposite spirit. We're going to come against and we're going to unite. And they did it not by themselves, but by having communion and pursuing this Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. There is things that you, your church needs to do in this community. You're not going to be able to do it by might, nor by power, nor by organizational skill, administrative skill, not by just hospitality gifts, but by the Spirit of God. And as you pursue the Spirit of God in prayer and in worship, God's going to do some amazing things in this region because of, because of you guys. 
So um, the, the amazing thing that happened out of this was these guys, they, they then decided, hey, um, we need to pursue God, not just in communion, but actually we need to pray. So Zinzendorf started a prayer meeting and said, I'm, I'm going to get you guys to commit to one hour each. It was he picked a woman and a man and then asked them, actually all asked them, said, okay, I need a woman and a man for every hour around the clock for 24 hours. And so they started praying. Everybody committed. Everybody had to sign up to a schedule to say, I'm going to do two to three. You know, who, who got the three to four o'clock one? Must be, okay, no, I'm going to go. Yeah, the farmers. The farmers took the three to four o'clock one, <clears throat> three to four a.m. But they committed to it. When you hear about like a, like a pre-meeting that goes on forever and ever, you, know, you, don't, you don't think about, you think, oh, it's, it's being run by the passion of the power of the Spirit. But actually, they, they had to commit. And that meant discipline. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. We love, we love joy, peace, patience, peace. We love all that stuff. But when, when you hear self-control, is that actually, you know, something that the Holy Spirit... Yeah, it is. They had to commit to it. And so they committed to this pre-meeting, which ran 24-7, so 24 hours a day. It's somebody praying, at least two people, sometimes three, every hour, pray, 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 pray. That pre-meeting went from... From 1877 to 1837. 110 years. 24-7. I know, right? That freaks somebody out. I'm like, I am not going to pray for 110 years right here in the Cornerstone Protestant Community Center. But it just kept on. Can you imagine what what that did for that community? The presence of God then manifests in that place so much that over the next 50 years, th- this little community of 300 people sent, you know, as they grew and as they bred <laughs> and reared <laughs> and populated, they sent 300 missionaries around the world to every, every corner of the globe, all the nations. They called that the Great European Awakening. And then they took that awakening to Africa and to the rest of Europe and to, the, and to Asia and then to America. When it got to America, and anybody that knows the American history knows that there were three great awakenings that all happened in America. It started with these guys going there. They weren't terribly successful in America, but there was a, there was a passion that they brought with them based out of prayer. Prayer. And of course, you can't pray without worshipping. There's prayer and there's worship and there's an acknowledgement of God, a hunger and a thirst that says, God, we cannot do this without you. We cannot do this without your presence. We've tried to live here in community. We've tried to live here in our own strength. We became proud of our unity. And then the devil came in and showed us that we cannot do it without you, without the power of your spirit. And so from there, they went to the States and influenced, you know, maybe a young man you might have heard, the Wesley Brothers who at that stage were missionaries from England in America. And they, and they were disheartened. When they got to the States, they were like, this is not going like what we thought, until they, they encountered the passion and the presence and the feeling of the Spirit, where the Spirit of God is there is life. And so those two brothers experienced that passion, went back to England, where they wrote 9,000 hymns. <laughs> and started a started a move a church movement and a um, and a worship movement that has that has touched the world ever since. You know what I'm saying? This is all through this time, throughout the dark ages and the medieval times, and when the church was was just 
was being smashed and there was no life and it was these dark times, God always had a remnant. And there they were, this little remnant of 300 people sending missionaries to the rest of the planet, not by their own power, but by the power of the Spirit. Because they prayed, they simply prayed. And I just feel prophetically for you guys, there's an anointing on you to pray and to pursue the Spirit, to pursue Him in in passionate worship, to pursue Him in prayer, to commit to something that says, no, we're going to recognize that we cannot do this. As much as, as cool as we are, you know what I mean? And you have a tight community. You have a vibe here that's really cool. I, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that just to buddy you guys up. I've, I felt it. As soon as we spent the day with your worship team yesterday, and that's what everybody said. Oh, we're just a real strong community. We live authentically together. There's a vibe. You know, and we could feel it and we could see it. There was evidence of it. If, if your worship team is a representation of you, then, you know, well done. You've, you've, you've nailed it. But I'm saying God wants to use that, but you cannot get proud of that. Yeah, let it be something, let it be a strength that people are attracted to, but when you, when you get down to it, the real source of your power, got to be the Spirit of God. Got to be the Spirit of Jesus. So, um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much done because I didn't want to go on too long. I just wanted to get that message out to you. And then I want to say, let's, let's worship some more. I just want to worship some more. As we just kind of lay aside our stuff. The cool thing about worship is um, it's both... You know, something that we receive from God, but it's got to be something we give to God. We're, a lot of churches f- have forgotten about worship, that it's actually our time to come to Him and acknowledge Him. Yeah. So if we stand in worship, if we come to church and stand like this, waiting for the song to be finished, we're not, we're not giving God anything. We're experiencing worship, we're receiving the worship, but we're not actually worshipping. So I'm going to encourage us to make a decision this morning to worship. I mean, if Jesus stood up here, all right, hey, if Jesus stood here, we'd have no problem showing, like, expression. We'd have no problem letting him know how we feel about him. A lot of us would fall on the ground, I'm sure. I would fall at his feet and just cry, (laughs) you know, for all that he's done. We sang the goodness of God. If I think about those days, all the days, all the days of his mercy that he's shown me, I would just fall at his feet and cry and say, thank you for having mercy on me for all those days. For us, for him to walk through the door and walk up here, what expression would we show him if he was here in person? You know what? Let's do an exercise. I'm going to get you to stand up for a second. Um, every country we go to, Libby and I have, have the privilege of traveling to a lot of countries and seeing a lot of churches. And every country we go to, um, when we talk about like giving God some praise or like expression, um, what, I, what we get back is, oh, that's not our culture. That's not our culture. And I'm like, every, every culture says that. It's, um, it's amazing. It's, you know, the English will say, no, we're really reserved. I'm like, you don't look reserved when you're playing football. Hey. <laughs> The Asians will say that, but then you see some of the Asian games on TV, you know, on, on YouTube, and man, that's not reserved at all. Um, yeah, South Islanders will say that. <laughs> you know, we've got a long stock of farmers. You know, things good, good things take time around here. But again, you know, you watch the art, you watch the All Blacks, no problem. Get a beer in front of half you, you know. And <laughs> I've seen people get more excited about steak than they do about Jesus. Ladies, don't get me started on shoes. 
You know, but when it comes to church, we've got this thing that says, no, that's for them to do it to Nora. It's not my personality. But I'm saying it's got nothing to do with personality. It's a decision that says, you are Jesus. You are my king. You are my Lord. I'm not going to forget what you have done. I'm going to thank you for what you've done. And I'm going to express that anyway. You know what? When it comes to worship, you don't need a band. Music didn't come into it for centuries. <laughs> hey, it was just a decision. It was like walk through this fastest altar and into a tabernacle. And then you just, well, they didn't get to walk there. They didn't even get to walk inside. They got to stand outside and worship God. Here we are. We get the privilege of standing in the Holy of Holies with the presence of Jesus himself. And I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to do this. This is just for an exercise, right? This is not even the real thing. If Jesus was here, what expression would you show him? That's what I'm talking about. Ready? Everybody on three. Ready? Jesus is here. I'm just going to, I'm going to leave you to it. I'm going to leave him standing here and you're going to go for it. Ready? On the count of three, one, two, ladies and gentlemen, Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, 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 that didn't last very long. That was like eight seconds. That was like eight seconds. I bet if a movie star walked in here, we'd, we'd clap longer for them. Hey, see what I mean by exercise? It's something that you, have to, you actually have to work on. You actually have to work on it. But we are used to going by our feelings. If we take our feelings aside and say, I'm not going to do it just because I feel this. I'm going to do it as a purposeful act of acknowledgement and worship for Jesus. For everything that he's done. Can we try that one more time? Ready? One, two, three. Jesus. Come on, bro. Do it. Thank you, Jesus, for lying on the, for standing on the cross for us, for dying for us, for everything that you've done. You raised to life. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done. That's a little more like it, eh? Can we get Can we get back into worship? And we, as we do, let's let's put that same attitude, that same purposeful attitude. They say, I'm going to worship God. I don't care who's around me. I don't care what's going on. I don't care how I feel. You are worthy of my worship regardless. And as you do that, you lift up faith. God responds to faith. If you want to see a breakthrough in any area of your life, as you worship him in faith, not by your feelings, he will respond to your faith. And miracles can happen in the presence of faith. Yeah? Thank you, Father. Yeah, just start lifting them up. Just start lifting them up. Don't, don't wait for the music. <laughs>